friends, how are you doing this morning? We are glad that you're with us in worship and that we are acknowledging Ventura County's guidelines to keep our masks on during worship. Uh, and we, we know that for some of us it's a struggle, but we appreciate your efforts to honor those guidelines. We welcome you to worship this Sunday, August 22nd, 2021. We are glad that you decided to worship with us. And if you are online, I am so excited. I don't know if you know this. Well, you don't because I haven't told you yet. But <laughs> I have a child sick at home, which means that daddy's at home too, which means that Jason Surratt learned how to do the Sling Studio this morning. So we want to say thank you to Jason um, and making that happen. Uh, thank you to Warren for being on the phone with Jason, even now as he's tending to the kids. And thank you for making it happen so that we didn't have to bug Paul while he's on vacation. Yes! So I celebrate all of those things. Forgive me for a little exuberance. Um, you have probably seen the announcements scrolling on the screen during worship. I'll invite you to go back and rewatch the beginning of the live stream or send an email to Joanna saying, I don't get the weekly emails and I want to know what's going on at the church. And she will make sure that you get added to that list because we send out emails on Friday, on Sundays, and other times throughout the week to let you know what's going on. So please get on that list so that we can keep you informed. If you have not signed in yet, we encourage you to go to the website. If you're here or online, we'd love to know that you were at worship with us today. Our flowers on the altar are in honor of the Shehorned anniversary. Happy anniversary, guys. It was also John's birthday this week, so we celebrate both of those things in close close proximity to each other. I want to remind you that the $35 summer flower special is going to come to, the, to an end um, on Labor Day weekend. So if you want to get in on that $35 special, I'll invite you to sign up for flowers and pay for those flowers by September 5th. You can sign up all the way through June of next year if you want to. Um, after September 5th, the price will go up to $45, so it's not a huge jump, but it's still something to take into consideration. Today, we continue our faith and film series by reflecting on the movie Collateral Beauty. We will consider how death, love, and time shape our actions and motivate our why. That may not make sense right now, but hopefully it will in a little while. And we'll also be reminded that God is present in all of our experiences, inviting us to find beauty all around us. Let us take a moment to center ourselves for worship. Join with me in our call to worship. Welcome to worship. You have come to the right place. God awaits you.
God loves, forgives, heals, and awaits you. Amen. Let's sing our opening hymn. God be with us in this time of worship that we might open our hearts and minds to your holy word that being nurtured and inspired by it we would be led into truer discipleship and greater faithfulness we pray this all in your son's name and for your purposes amen Good morning, children. How are you this morning? I look forward to the moment that we can invite you back up on these steps, but we're not quite there yet. Um, And many of you are at home this day. Uh, So we adapt and change as we normally do, and we make the best of it. Today in Sunday school, you're going to talk about someone named Lydia. Lydia is someone who had great faith in who Jesus was and talked about him on a regular basis, even though her family and friends didn't, weren't followers of Jesus. She continued to talk about him, to bring light and life to the community and to share the good news that took great courage on her part so that she could continue to share the news of Jesus' love with those that she met. I want you to think to yourself, whether you're at home or whether you're here, when was a time that you were courageous? What does courage look like to you? And I want to encourage you each and every day to think about what it takes to be someone who knows that God loves you and invites you to be true to yourself and who God has called you to be. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow and yesterday. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. Show us courage so that we can live 
as examples of your love. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, our children will go off with Miss Pam this morning. Oh, here's Miss Carissa right here, so, so perfect. Let us pray. Holy God, hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. We begin by confessing that there are times that we are aware that we fall short of your wishes for us in what we say and what we do and we think of that as falling short of your glory and intention for us and so we repent of those times and we pray that your grace would be upon us to help us move beyond that kind of person. Here are our prayers of confession. May your grace wash us clean and strengthen our resolve. May we grow fully into the full stature of our Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit within us, working through us, us being an extension of your love and your grace to our community, to our world, to our family. Help us to be your faithful disciples. Help us to be our best selves. We pray for those around us who are struggling with physical or mental health issues. We pray for those with troubled relationships, uncertain employment. We pray for others and most likely for ourselves who are experiencing some form of dis-ease or discomfort with how life is for us. We ask you, O oh Lord, that you would hear our prayers. We think specifically this morning of Linda Northrup and her husband Dave, Kathy Drake and her husband Ken, Steve Blassengame as he returns to the hospital fighting his AML leukemia, John Roberts. All of these as they deal with the effects of their cancer, their treatments, and make decisions on how best to proceed forward. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. 
We continue to lift up Tracy Morse as she recovers from her back surgery. Doug Johnson recovering from his uh, bicep repair surgery. Dick Thomas recovering from his colon surgery. Tom Hopkins recovering from his shoulder surgery. And we think of Charles Comparado's cousin Timothy who is recovering from a stroke. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And knowing how hard it is to await something in our life, particularly if it is a surgery, we lift up Phil Severance and Pastor Rachel's Aunt Rachel, both of whom are awaiting surgical help for their uh, difficulties. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And as we think of uh, Rachel's family, we also ask your grace to surround them all as they mourn the passing of Aunt Betsy. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Holy God, we pray today for Gloria Colchin, a friend of the church who is hospitalized and now entering hospice care. We pray for Pam Sutphin's mom, Jean, now on hospice. We pray that she may have a peaceful passing. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. From Patty Chamnus, we pray for her family and we think particularly of Vanessa and Paul, praying for good health and strength in the coming week, and for Max, for complete healing. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for the people of Haiti as they recover from their earthquake and, and face other environmental challenges in these uh, difficult days for them. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And our thoughts go to Afghanistan. We think of all the people of that country as they go through this transition that we are reading about. We think about the Christian missionaries who we are hearing are being persecuted. We think of the, the friends of uh, the US troops who have been helpful in the time that our troops have been there and who are now seeking evacuation and safety. We think specifically of, of uh, the Loeb's grandson, Aiden, and the other American troops who are redeploying to Afghanistan to help with this transition and uh, getting uh, people safely uh, out of that country. And we think specifically of uh, some of these families that our church and others in our area through the Caneo Interfaith Refugee Team have helped with um, support here as, as they have come to the States but have left extended family in Afghanistan who now are fearful of their lives. And so we would lift up the Ahmadis, Romans, and Aquas families uh, praying for their safety. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And again, as we have for what is nearly two years now, we pray for all those who are dealing with uh, COVID, battling the disease, 
we again will lift up the Ledford family and the Moravik family, their cousin Wade, uh, the friend of the Lamberg family, Pat Murphy, Brenda Rogers, cousin's daughter, Brianna. We think new this week of Reverend Camille Maddox's family, her extended family, as her mother has uh, passed on from COVID, and they worry about other family members who are infected with the disease. We pray your, your strength and your comfort to, the, to that family. And we also think of Joanna's extended family uh, who, have, who are battling with, with COVID. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Strengthen us to face the challenges of these unusual and, and difficult days, Lord God. But we also see that there are joys uh, among these days. We, we look in our own lives and can identify moments of joy. We give you praise and thanks for that. And we, we lift up as a, as a family of faith the, the joy in the Jordan family, Larry Jordan and his wife, as they relocate to Massachusetts to take on new challenges. And we think of Mary Nolan, who is now out of the hospital and will be celebrating her 101st birthday this Wednesday. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. Among these joys and these concerns, there are, there are other thoughts, prayer thoughts that we have that at this time we are keeping private to ourselves and we spend just a moment now as we gather in worship to address these prayerful thoughts. Come into these lives, Lord God, in a powerful way that help these folks know your support, your nurture, your healing power. We pray this all in your son's holy name, joining together in the prayer he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you, Tracy. I'm not going to talk too directly about the song or else I'm not going to make it through the sermon. 
I don't know about you, but it's been a heck of a week for me. Um, between what's going on in Haiti, what's happening in Afghanistan, personal loss, potential COVID exposures, keep, um, friends losing loved ones because of COVID, each of us with our own issues and items that we're carrying with us. I don't know about you, but I know that I'm grieving this week. Even our weather gave us a little gloominess today. I think, I think God's trying to tell me that it's okay to be in grief. And I want to say to each and every one of us that it's okay to be in grief. And if you are not grieving right now, I hope that there's some takeaways in this message that help you support those that are grieving or that you can keep in your back pocket for a moment that you encounter this reality in your life. The Holy Spirit amazes me on a regular basis, and this week is no different. I didn't know when I selected this sermon or the movie Collateral Beauty as our faith in film, uh, film for this week how appropriate it would be. And I hope that it's not just appropriate for me, but it's appropriate for all of us as well. There are times when we feel like the world is closing in on us. What do we do? How do we grieve? How do we process all that is happening? How do we remain open to how the spirit might be flowing around, around, around us, or especially, or sorry, should have reread that sentence again. How do we remain open to the, how the Holy Spirit might be flowing around us, even in, or especially in, the midst of our grief? Now, a few weeks ago, I posted something on Facebook that I want to remind us. Grief isn't just for death. It's also for friendships that have ended, losing our community, find, missing the certainty that we once had. Grief is questioning our judgment. It's releasing who we once were. It's, we can have grief over feeling lost and unanchored or losing traditions that we love. Grief can take form in many different ways. The Bible has several places that we can look to when we process grief. One of them has this like long phrase uh, from a, a statement that Paul said that talks about boast in your grieving, and it goes through because out of grief comes this, and out of this comes this, and out of this comes this. You can tell I wrote it in my notes. Um, and ultimately, it takes us to hope. I didn't put it in my notes because I often find that a platitude. It doesn't necessarily help me. And why do I boast in my griefing, grieving? And some of that has to come from our English translation. It's not boast in our grieving like be proud of it, but boast in our grieving as find ways to seek hope. And that's really what my message is ultimately about this morning. How do we find the ways to seek hope? So I want to start with one of the ultimate stories about grief in our Bible the story of Job. How many of you guys know the story of Job? I, I like to skip over chapter one because there's some theological things that I don't want to debate with anyone right now. Um, but chapter two is one where Job has calamity after calamity befall him. He loses his wife, he loses his home, he loses his children, he loses all of his property, all of his livelihood, all in a span of a short period of time. And what does he do? He figures out how to grieve. 
And as he's grieving, he does the traditional Jewish forms of grieving. He, he covers himself with ashes and he goes to mourn. And he sits and prays and grieves for a period of time. And his friends come to him. Can we actually hear the first scripture from Job? There's actually only one scripture from Job, but. Our scripture reading today is from Job chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes and threw dust in the air upon their heads. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him for they saw that his suffering was very great. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I am so thankful for the fact that Job had friends who sat and held vigil with him and prayed with him and just were present to him, not needing to talk, but just be present. Now I say that, and if any of you have read the rest of Job, you know that sometimes friends don't say the things that are the most helpful or appropriate in a situation. They are trying to find all of the reasons why all of these calamities may have befallen him. And Job is faithful. He's, he, he is unrelenting in his trust in God and his hope for the future. And I think that the message of the friends coming and sitting with him is important for us. It's reminding us that we have friends. We have a tribe who want to be there for us. Sometimes they do the right things, and sometimes they say the right things, and sometimes they get it wrong. But they're trying. And I'm going to tie this into our movie, but I need to give this a little context so that you understand how this all ties together in the next clip that we're going to watch. Reverend Barkley S. Thompson says this of the movie, and it explains the movie this way. So, uh, this is the opening scene from Collateral Beauty. What is your why? Why did you get out of bed this morning? Why did you eat what you ate? Why did you wear what you wore? Why did you come here? What is your why? Uh, the character of the movie goes on to say, life is about people, and we're here to connect. How, we do how do we do that? Time, love, and death. These three abstracts connect every single human being on earth, everything that we covet, everything that we fear not having, everything that we ultimately end up buying is because at the end of the day, we long for love, we wish we had more time, and we fear death. Love, time, and death. This is the opening speech of the movie Collateral Beauty, in which Will Smith plays Howard Inlet, a brilliant hotshot Madison Avenue creative director. He, and in this, these statements, he is leading a staff pep rally, and he's talking about advertising and the ways in which successful admin harness these three abstractions, the longing for love, the wish for time, and the fear of death to market and sell products. Immediately following this speech in the movie, the film's storyline fast-forwards three years, and Howard's words become ironic. His six-year-old daughter dies, and in his anger and grief, Howard loses his ability to connect with the world around him. For him, love leaves, time loses meaning, and death mocks. Howard is lost in his suffering. 
And as he's lost in the suffering, he begins to encounter personifications of love, time, and death. And I'll encourage you to watch the movie for yourself and figure out if it's his friends uh, hiring people to play as actors or if it's truly the personifications of these characters. And he is trying to wrestle with his grief and is just so stuck in it. Um, and as he's processing this, he's beginning to recognize that he, he, he's seeing these, what he believes to be illusions, and he seeks out support of talking to someone who runs a grief support group. And we're going to watch that scene now. Okay. I have something that I haven't told anyone. Doesn't involve letters or angels or anything like that, but it means something to me. They were preparing Olivia to say goodbye. And my husband was trying to calm my mother in the parking lot because she lost it. So I was alone. And I was sitting there in the waiting room at Maimonides Hospital. And there was this woman sat next to me. And she asked me who I was about to lose. And I told her. And she looked at me and she said, just be sure to notice the collateral beauty. I mean, she, she said it so casually. In the next room, my six-year-old daughter was being taken off life support. And this woman says collateral beauty. People don't know what to say in those moments. No, she did. I just didn't get it at the time. See, it, it wasn't said out of sympathy or awkwardness. It was from experience. About a year later, something started to happen to me, you know? I would be walking or on the subway or whatever, and I would just burst into tears. But these weren't Olivia tears. These were tears born from something else, from this, from this kind of profound connection to everything. And I realized it was the collateral beauty. There's, there's no such thing as collateral beauty. There is, Howard. There really is. It'll never bring her back. And it will never, ever make it okay. But I promise you, it's there. You need to talk to them, Howard. Look, um, appreciate your story, but I'm not really feeling the collateral beauty thing. I don't care. Yell at them. 
reason with them, challenge them, just engage. So in this scene, what's not, not known at the moment is that this woman that he's talking to actually turns out to be his wife and they're grieving the loss of the same child. She has spent time talking and processing through her feelings, finding ways to seek support. And Howard has been stuck in his grief. He's been stuck in his pain. He's been writing letters to these, the, to grief, or sorry, for time, to time, love, and death, We're trying to work through his emotions, trying to figure out what he's feeling, and really just raging against all three of them. And so when these personifications come to him and start addressing him, he is confused as to what to do, and usually he just walks away, not fully engaging, not being willing to, to work through the emotions that he has. And so he's stuck, he's lost. And so as his wife encourages him, one, to look for collateral beauty, he's not ready to hear that yet. But hopefully she's planted a seed that will take root later on. And two, she invites him to engage, to talk through these emotions and to have these conversations, to see where he is going and to see what God might be calling them to next. And so over the course of the next few, the next day or two, he engages and rages against time, death, and love, and finally begins his grief process. His interaction with love makes me pause and stirs me up. So let's watch that clip now. Trust you? Yes. I did trust you. And you betrayed me. I saw you every day in her eyes. And I heard you in her voice when she laughed. And I felt you inside of me when she called me daddy. And you betrayed me. You broke my heart. No. I'm in all of it. I'm the darkness and the light. I'm the sunshine and the storm. Yes, you're right. I was there in her laugh. But I'm also here now in your pain. I'm the reason for everything. I am the only why. Don't try and live without me, Howard. Please don't. Love is in the darkness and the light. Love is in our joy and our pain. Love is in it all. Love is the only why. It reminds me of a passage from 1 Corinthians uh, that you may know pretty well, 1 Corinthians 13, and we're just going to hear verse 13, 13 now. Our next scripture reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. The greatest of these is love. And as I was thinking and re-watching the movie this week, and as I was reflecting on this idea of love being our only why, 
I was drawn to the passages from 1 John 4, and I'm going to read you select verses from the message. It says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other, since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God, because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loves us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and God's love becomes complete in us, perfect love. God is love, and if we take up permanent residence in the life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home, and matures in us. We are going to love Love and be loved. First we were loved, and now we love. He loved us first. I think that the, the statements that Kira Knightley as love talked about, about being with us in all of it and through all of it, and reminding, that, reminding us that love is our ultimate why, it helps us to remember how we can move through grace and find the collateral beauty, find ways in which we can celebrate even the things that are hard and difficult, because God is with us in all of us. Love is with us in all of us. And when we begin to realize that God is with us in it all, we can begin mending. We are not called to, be, to put ourselves back together as we were before. Because let's be honest, we can't. As Harold's wife said as she was talking to him, it doesn't change the situation. The loss is still there. But how we move forward in life is important. And how we rebuild, we will be marked we will be changed. We will be made into something new. And again, one of those Holy Spirit moments, I received an email from Jan Richardson. You guys have heard me talk about her a few times before. Uh, I'm almost done with her book, In the Sanctuary of Women. I won't celebrate being done with the group, but I will celebrate being done with the book because it's taken us over a year to get there. But there has been rich and fruitful conversation. And in her email this week, she says, People in grief sometimes encounter or carry in themselves a bias towards believing that making a life after a terrible loss means putting ourselves back together the way we were, with no visible trace of the rendering or the rending it, that occurred. As both an artist and someone who's engaged in ongoing practice of my own repair, I am much more interested in forms of mending and restoration that leave evidence of what has gone before. These breakages, fissures, shatterings that come to us, even as I wish they didn't happen, I'm learning how their lines and edges become part of a new path, a map, a work of art in progress, one that bears witness not only to what has befallen us, 
but also to the imagination and the wild grace by which our scars are becoming part of our wholeness. Oh, that, I, I think that sometimes we need to remember that we are building something new, and as we process our grief, as we process our brokenness, as long as we let love be what starts gluing us back together, as long as we remember that God is with us through that pain, we can seek that hope that that passage that I very poorly quoted at the beginning of the sermon talked about. Because when we recognize that of these faith, hope, and love abide, and love is the greatest, we are able to live as people transformed. We are able to, to not ever let go of our grief because in all honesty, when we lose someone who is dear to us, especially a young child, it is hard to pick up the pieces and move on. But we find ways to do it. I, I didn't real, realize this again at the time, but yesterday was the sixth birthday of my friend's daughter, Ryan, who only made it three weeks here on earth. And her mother posted last night this beautiful tribute to her daughter that said, you were a fighter, you were a warrior. Because of you, I live on and I choose to love in profound ways so that I bring honor and glory to who you were in my life and how you would have wanted me to live in the world. Her mother has shown such strength in the midst of her heartache and she's putting her life back together. You can see the broken seams, but she knows that God is in it with her and her faith is stronger today than it was the day that her daughter Ryan was born. And so I hope that in the midst of the ruptures and the breakage in our own lives, we ponder these questions from Jan Richardson. Where do you turn? What helps you find the rhythms that make it possible to engage in the provisional, imperfect, ongoing work of repair? Are there people who stoke your hope, hold your discouragement, meet you in your weakness, and help you keep an eye open for the joy that is given to us as one of the tools of restoration. And as we keep our eyes open for that joy, that hope, and that love, that is where we will find the collateral beauty. Amen. Friends, we have just heard a sermon that is worth holding tight to for many, many weeks. And I invite you to uh, see how it can have uh, an echo in your spirit and in your life as you find your way uh, through these uh, so unsettling and challenging days as we look to construct the life that is uh, different than perhaps the life that we have experienced uh, pre-pandemic. Thank you, Rachel, for those uh, beautiful words from the Spirit. It, it makes me think, as I look at Candace, of our um, annual conference experience with the golden 
uh, seams, the rebuilding of the broken jars, and Rachel and I will bring that to you again with the help of our lay delegates in, uh, in the September covenant. You'll want to uh, look at that and see how that is so much like the wisdom Rachel was sharing with us today of this collateral beauty. So, let's let love have the run of the house. What do you say? Let's let love lead in all we do and may love be behind your thoughts as you come to this time of rededication of your spirit and offering of your resources to support God's ministry through us in our church and in our community. You'll see some information on how to do that on the screen if you are online with us or in person, you know what to do. Well, friends, we've reached the end of our worship service. I hope it is one that has given you time to ponder, time to think, and time to look for collateral beauty in your own life. Before we head out for this day, now I'm going to try to engage the song. Tracy, thank you so much for your song. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Um, it reminds me that in my aunt's last lucid moments, my uncle brought an operatic singer to come sing to her so that she could enjoy the music. And I could just imagine my aunt hearing that song today. So thank you. Friends, I want to remind you that we have a few opportunities before us today. There's a movie this afternoon at 4 o'clock entitled The Soloist uh, that that uh, is gathering here on campus. If you're planning to go, please let the Saltos know just so that they can have an idea of headcount or register on the online app. And then 
in addition to that, the Social Concerns Committee is starting a book group after Labor Day on the book Evicted, led by our own Rick Schrader, uh, which uh, will talk about the issues of homelessness. Those books are available on the patio today, so if you want to stop by and pick up your book, you can do that as well. Our youth group is having a uh, youth group and family picnic today at 5.30. We invite you to bring a, a, side, dish or a side dish or salad to share. That is a tongue twister. And your chairs or beach blankets so that you can sit with your families in the group. And now, friends, rooted in love, nurtured in love, go forth in love, confident that the God who created you in love, the Christ who meets you with love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love goes with you each and every day on the journey. Amen. <laughs>